Hey, God's really been stirring our church, and I, I, I feel like as long as you have a pulse and you can sense what's going on in our church, you can feel something stirring in our church. And I've been talking for a few months about God shaking the tree of our church, pruning, preparing us for what God has for us next. And uh, I just feel like in the last month, month and a half, God's just been stirring. The, the stirring has become a little bit quicker and faster. And so I preached a couple weeks ago about stepping into the supernatural. And already we've begun to see, we're praying for people who are sick in their body in this section. And we're already beginning to see people getting miraculously healed, which is just amazing. And I love what God is doing in our church. And this is not a series, but this is a lifestyle. Supernatural is not a series, it's a lifestyle that you and I must live in as Christians. And I've been so convicted more than ever to really build and continue to build our church on the blueprint on how to do church leadership in the Bible. Ephesians 4 verse 11, I've been saying this verse recently more and more and it's gonna come up more and more. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers He's given all these incredible gifts to the church through people, and this is their role, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, stepping into the supernatural is not the job of the pastors and the leaders, right? That's not it. The job of the pastors and the leaders is to train and equip our church, you, me, I even need to be trained and equipped for all of us to step into the supernatural together, to do the work of the ministry, to be apostles, to be prophets, to shepherd and pastor people, to evangelize and to teach. Stepping into the supernatural is not for the chosen few. It's for every single person that believes in Jesus and calls Favor Church their home. On Wednesday night, we had family night with Pastor Neil Smith. It was really fun. Who was there at family night? Did anyone come? We had a great night. It's our leaders and volunteers night. And he was preaching almost on the simplicity of the supernatural, to hear and obey. And it got me really thinking uh, on this subject that I believe that this is, this is the supernatural foundation of stepping into the supernatural. It's hearing and obeying. So I want to go to a story about Jesus, and it's not that. We're going to go to a story, and it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And uh, this ain't really a story. It's more of an analogy that Jesus uses. He says this. Maybe you... If you grew up in church, you might have heard this. He goes, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the, on the rock, the rock of ages. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I grew up in kids' church. We used to learn about this story, this analogy that Jesus used. The wise man built his house upon the rock, house upon the rock. That was a song that we used to sing. 
But you need to understand the context of Jesus saying this because sometimes we just cherry pick pieces of scripture out and we don't understand the full context. Matthew 7, we are, we are at the end of the most famous sermon that has ever been preached in the history of mankind. It's Jesus preaching his sermon on the mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is like hitting everything in one sermon. He's talking about the Beatitudes. He's talking about being salt and light. He's talking about sin is in your heart. It's not just in your actions. He's challenging us to love our enemies, teaches us how to pray, how to fast, not to worry, condemns us for judging others, and he tells us how to look at who is a true and false prophet and disciple. And at the end of this amazing sermon, he gets to the very, very end, and we find ourselves here in the passage of Scripture that I just read. Essentially, Jesus is saying this. Hey, I've just given you the best sermon you'll ever hear. <laughs> it's Jesus, he's not arrogant, but he knows. He knows. This is going to change the world, this sermon. And so he says this. You've all heard what I said. I said it. Y'all heard it. If you listen and obey what I say, that when life hits you, because you haven't just listened but you've obeyed, your house, your life, your faith, your doctrine, your theology, your security will be built on a rock. And Jesus guarantees this, there's gonna be a storm. He does. This is a great passage of scripture in case you're ever thinking, well, if I just follow Jesus, everything's gonna be great. No, he's saying the storm's coming, but if you hear what I say and then obey it, then when the storm comes, you're gonna be okay because your house is built on the rock. And then he goes the other way and says, but if you hear what I say and you don't obey, then your house is like a house built on the sand. And how many of y'all know the sand is closer to the water? It looks nice. You walk out your front door, dip your toes in the sand, ooh, I'm on the sand, it's nice. But there's no stability, there's no foundation. And Jesus says, if you have the ability to sit through my whole sermon, to hear everything I said, but to walk away and not obey it, when the storms of life come, and they will, you are going to get washed away. Jesus is hitting everybody. He's saying, y'all heard. Can I put it to you today that hearing is not the issue, obeying is the issue. We all hear, welcome to the Philippines. We're the nation of hearing. Everybody goes to church. We all hear, but a lot less of us obey. Obedience is the reflection of the heart. Anyone can hear, but a lot fewer people actually obey. Why is this so hard? Why do you think this is so hard? Hear, obey. Do you know why I think it's so hard? Because there's a question mark in the middle. Because I feel like hear and obey is missing a step. It's actually missing a step. Earlier this year, my family and I, we, uh, we went on vacation. COVID robbed our family. Uh, I have three small kids, nine, well, about to be nine, seven, and five. And so COVID just robbed us of anything nice outside of a home for two years. So we made the decision, Kate and I, that we were gonna save and that we were gonna do great family vacations. So earlier this year, we went up to Clark. If you don't know, there is a beautiful, world-class 
uh, water park up in Clark. They don't, they don't sponsor me, so I won't tell you what it is. I'm not an endorser. Uh, I don't get paid, so I'm not gonna tell you, right? So this is big, beautiful water park, so we go up there. Now listen to me. I love water slides, right? I hate roller coasters. I cannot stand, I get scared on roller coasters. I have, I'm insecure on roller coasters. I have nothing to prove. I married a beautiful woman, I'm, I'm happy, I got food on the table. Anybody else hate roller coasters? Thank you, Alexa. Uh, I hate roller, co- I hate, I hate roller coasters, right? But water slides are different. I love water slides. I love getting out there. I love the sun tanning my white, fat body, right? I just love, I love getting out there. And so we go to this water park. They got a lot of big rides. And I'm so excited because it's the first water park that I'm bringing my kids to. I'm excited for them to share in the love and joy that I have of water parks. Here's a, here's a tip for all you dads out there. If one of your children, just one of them, end up loving what you love doing, you instantly become the best father in the world. If they don't, then you're a terrible father because you're out playing golf and the kids are at home doing nothing. But if one of them can play golf, you've become the best father. So I'm excited. We're at this water park and, 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 and we go on a few things and I send my girls up. There's a, there's a ride. The first ride we look at, it's this two-person ride on the thing. Unfortunately, there's a weight limit. Apparently, I was too heavy to go on, the weight limit was 90 kilograms. I am sitting at a nice 94 and a half kilograms, right? A lot of muscle in that 94 and a half kilograms. Hey, 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 hey. So I had to send both the girls up by themselves. So they're excited. They get up the top of this thing. They, they, they carry this huge thing up there, get up the top. I'm waiting for them to come down, waiting for them. All these people go, nothing. I wait for like easily 15 minutes. All of a sudden, the girls start walking back down. I go, what are you doing? Oh, daddy, it's too high. (laughs) Yeah, you're all going, ah, I'm frustrated. I'm a frustrated dad. I'm like, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) But But because I'm a good dad, I didn't say it. I only felt it. So we go together up to the aqua racer. This is like, this is the one where you, you get a mat and you go up the very top and you race each other down. So we, we finally get up there. As we're, as we're getting up higher, I, I feel the fear of my two daughters. My son can't even come, he's too small. I feel the fear. We get up to the top, I promise you, I couldn't exaggerate this if I tried. I go, come on, let's go. Hope goes, no, no daddy, I'm not going. I said, why, why not? She goes, daddy, I don't wanna go. Daddy, I don't, and then, because number one daughter's at Sienna, number two, Daddy, I don't want to go. Daddy, I don't want to go. Daddy, I don't. And I'm like, girls, 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 no one's up there except the Kuya, the Kuya and the ride, right? And he's like, oh, sir, are you, are you going to go? I'm like, give me, give me a second. Girls! You're embarrassing me. Get on the slide. No, Daddy, no, I don't want to do it. I said, I am not walking down. I just walked up six flights of stairs. I am not walking down. Get on the slide. No, daddy, I don't want to go. No, daddy. Uh, We were up there for 20 minutes. I promise you, 20 minutes. At the end of 20 minutes, I'm ashamed to say this. I just left them. I said, walk down yourself. And I got on the slide and slid down. I'm not walking down. Shut up. I'm not doing that. 
If you're a big enough girl to have an attitude and say no, you're a big enough girl to walk down. They walk down the stairs, right? The rest of the day, I'm trying to convince them. I'm like, girls, you're gonna love this. No, no, one time she goes up with Kate. Hope goes up to Kate. Me and Sienna, as I know, they're waiting. 45 minutes we're waiting for them. 45 minutes. 45 minutes. I didn't realize what was happening, but apparently whatever happened with me on the aqua racer was times by 100 with Kate up on the thing, and Kate doesn't have the same grace that I have. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you that story because that's between Kate and God and Hope. <laughs> but let's just say when they came down at the very end, Hope's crying, Kate is angry! I'm like, what happened? What, what happened? You want me to tell you what happened? We get up there, she starts crying, she doesn't wanna go on it. I'm doing everything. Kate's like, Kate's going, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm emotionally manipulating her. I am doing everything. <laughs> Comes down, right? It's terrible. So I'm really disappointed. I'm disappointed because I know my kids are missing out on something. They just need to, they just need to do it. Finally, 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 30 minutes before the water park closes, right? <laughs> I don't want to call it a wasted day, but it was a wasted day, right? 30 minutes before the water park closes, finally, there's this one slide. I finally convinced them to go on it. And I, I, don't, I don't even wanna tell you how I convinced them, because it would make me look like a bad parent, and so, but I may have threatened to not feed them that evening. <laughs> if you wanna eat ever, you'll go on the slide. Here's the thing, they go up, they go on this slide, right? Thank God they went on it, they went on it with Kate, I was looking after Aslan down the bottom. They went on it, they came down, the joy on my daughter's face, right? Both of them when they came down. Daddy, that was so much fun. I'm like, you little. <laughs> right? So anyway, so we get in the car. I'm the dad that takes any event or any moment and makes it a teaching moment. Did you have, ever have a dad like that? I'm that dad, teaching moment, right? So we get in the car and we're going, I said, did you have a fun time? Yeah, it was fun. I said, imagine how much fun it would have been if you'd actually obeyed me earlier in the day. And they said, yeah, no, we're sorry, Daddy. Yeah, it was awesome, it was awesome. I said, I, and I looked at them and I said, what's the lesson of today? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> this is what I said. The lesson is this. You didn't trust me. That was it, R really. I mean, through all the fun and games, and I get it's a funny story, but, but really, my daughters didn't trust me. I told them that it would be okay. I told them it would be safe. I told them that they would have a good idea. You know what they did? They heard me, but do you know what stopped them obeying me? They didn't trust me. And I looked at them and I said, I said, girls, if you want to achieve anything in life, you need to trust your daddy. You, you got to trust me. I'm not just being funny as your dad. I love you. I would never intentionally let anything hurt you. You need to trust. You know what I think stops us from stepping into the supernatural? It's trust. Some people struggle to hear God's voice. But can I tell you that God's voice is all throughout his word? Some people are sitting in the corner and go, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And he's like, open the word of God. 
Read the Bible, and in the Bible, you'll hear God speaking to us saying, go and make disciples, saying, pray for the sick, saying, love one another, saying, be generous there. I just made it easy for you. Y'all just heard from God through me. I am an oracle, right? You just heard God. Go pray for the sick, go make disciples, go love one another, go be generous. That's what God wants us to do. If you're outside of church and you feel a prompting to pay for someone or to pray for someone, it's probably not Satan. It's probably God. But the question is this, you've heard it, but do you trust enough to obey? Thus making the title of my message here, Trust and Obey. Let's go to Mark chapter nine. I love this story. Mark chapter nine, this is where I wanna pull thoughts from today. Verse 14, Jesus has just been up the mountain, transfigured with a few of his disciples, Peter, James, John, and he comes down, and they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with the disciples. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This is Jesus replying. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, the boy. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. I can, I can almost hear the pain in the father's voice, right? From childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to the feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. I love this story because I believe it teaches us about how to add trust to the hearing and the obeying. Let me pull out a couple thoughts and we're gonna pray and see what God does. Uh, the first is this, that doubt is normal, so it must be defeated. Doubt is normal, so okay, it's normal, so it must be defeated. Doubt fights trust every single day. We hear our desire is to obey, but this little thing called doubt comes into our mind. And the antidote of doubt is faith. Doubt says, ah, uh, this can't happen. Faith says, even though I can't see it with my natural eyes, I can see it with my spiritual eyes. Even though it may not look it can happen, I believe by faith it can. And faith always leads to trust. Let's look at this story. Jesus walks down. He walks into a mess. There's a large crowd and his disciples and the teachers of the law are arguing with each other. And then the father 
pipes up and he, and he tells Jesus about his son. Again, side note, I said this a couple of weeks ago. The demonic, the demonic is not friendly. The demonic always wants to destroy. Don't play games with the demonic. It wants to destroy. It wanted to kill this boy, throw him in the fire, try to drown him in the water. The demonic is always out to destroy you because the devil hates you. You are made in the image of God. Every time the devil sees you, he sees the beauty of God. So this dad is desperate. He's telling him about it. And in this moment, Jesus nails the crowd, including his disciples, might I add. Calls them a, an unbelieving generation. Other translations say a faithless generation. You gotta understand, he was talking to his disciples at that same point. I'll, I'll talk about that later. But Jesus, he shows his frustration. So people think Jesus was just all nice and sweet to everyone all the time. No, no. He got frustrated. In this moment, he's frustrated. He's taught them, he's shown them, he's empowered them, and yet, there's still this unbelieving generation. And then the dad in desperation says, Jesus, if you can. This is why this little story is why Jesus was Jesus and God didn't make me Jesus. I just want to tell you why. Because Jesus, I don't think he was being sarcastic. He's like, if you can? It's like a question. If that was me, <laughs> I would have been like, sorry, what? If you can't? If I can't, if I, oh, if I can't, I would have started walking. Okay, give me some water and I'll walk on and show you if I can. Right? That's me. That's why I'm not Jesus. I'm just your pastor. I'm not the appointed son of God. I'm just your pastor. As the lights go down. <laughs> but Jesus not like that. It's like, man, if you can, oh, I'll, no, I'll show you that I can. Everything, everything is possible for those who believe. Now, this is where we see this paradox with the father, right? He cries out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And this is where I think we find a large percentage of the church today. We believe, but do we really believe? Yeah, of, co of course I believe, but do, uh, but do I really believe? Yes, I believe in healing, but I, do, I, am I, do I really believe in it? Like we believe, but do we believe? I know I sound silly right now, but you all know what I'm saying. I mean, I come to church, I believe, but do I, do I really believe? This man's doubt is what I love about this father. Even though he had doubt, it did not stop him believing. In fact, it was his humility that recognized his own unbelief and his own doubt that allowed him to cry out to Jesus to say, I have doubts, but I have faith. I have doubts, but I have faith that you can help me overcome my doubts. We all have doubts. Stop feeling bad for having doubts, but do we all have the humility to recognize our doubt and to cry out to Jesus today and say, God, I know you said it. I believe it, but help me believe it. You said you heal. I believe it. Help me believe it. Sometimes we've fallen into this doubt because we've allowed experiences that we've gone through or experiences that other people have gone through shape our theology instead of the word of God. 
well, I prayed once and nothing happened, so it must not be for me. I've been to churches, even here in Manila, where pastors have preached to large congregations and said, well, you know, praying for healing is not for everyone. It's just for people that have the gift of healing. And I sit there and I go, how, how can you rob people of the opportunity to see the supernatural power of God work through them? This man declared, I do believe. This was his faith overcoming his doubt. And then he cried out to Jesus for that faith to defeat it. Today, we need faith to defeat our doubt and to build our trust. You know what I find crazy about this story, though, is the way that Jesus dealt with his disciples. I think it's crazy, which leads me to my second point, which is this. Trust is relying on God, not ourselves. <laughs> wow. Revelation right there. I know it's simple, but how many of us get this wrong? Once we've defeated doubt and trust begins to rise, we can begin to obey. And this is where, as, as a pastor, I'm not a traveling evangelist, so I can't just preach some, yeah, awesome message, trust, and then I walk off because I got to pastor you people. And I can't just say, trust, obey, go do that. I got to make sure that we're aligned and that we're doing what the word of God tells us to do. This is where balance needs to come in. Jesus accuses the crowd of being this unbelieving, faithless generation, and he was speaking to his disciples as well. They were there. They were in the crowd. Let's get some context for this. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus gave them the authority over unclean spirits. In Mark chapter 6, they start casting out spirits, and they are pumped. Like they are amped. They are peaking. They are frothing, whatever adjective you want to use. They are excited. It is, wow. It's a, it was amazing. They are just, they are pumped. It's incredible. They're amazing. You know, I've seen some people that allow the excitement of seeing the manifest outworking of the power of God. It can become so thrilling in people's life, but also it can become dangerous. This is why. Thrilling because you're seeing God working and God moving and it's wonderful. Dangerous if you think it's because of you. The end of the passage of scripture, I read it out. The disciples said, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replies, these demons, they can only be driven out through prayer. Now, different commentators will have different thoughts and different beliefs on this, but what I actually personally believe is this, is that I believe that the disciples maybe got so high and excited off seeing demons come out of people and seeing the manifestation of God move that they actually begin to rely on themselves instead of God. That they had maybe gotten to a point where they presumed that it was their ability that would actually cast out the demon without having to rely on the giver of the gift. In order to see miracles happen, there needs to be a radical dependence on God. Even though we honor God and we get excited about the move of God, we can never forget that it's the move of God, not the move of us. That it's his power at work in us and through us, not our own power. And this is where we have to understand the difference between delegated authority and derived authority because Jesus has not given us delegated authority. You know what delegated authority is? Let me explain this to you. Delegated authority is I have authority and I am giving up my authority and I'm giving it to you, right? I will no longer have this authority. I'm gonna give it to you. And so I delegate the authority over to you. Uh, Kate and I have a will for when 
if, if we die, God willing, it's gonna be in many, 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 many years. But we have a will, and in that will, we have delegated authority of our children to my parents one day. If, 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 may, if Kate and I ever passed away right now, apart from the weeping and gnashing of teeth that would happen through Favor Church, what would happen is that my children, you didn't, no one agreed with me on that. Where's the emotion, huh? Pastor, don't, what? No, weeping and gnashing, no, because you're so upset. Gnashing of teeth. Anyways, we've delegated authority that if we die, my parents will become the legal guardians. We've delegated it. We're gone. Our authority doesn't matter. We've given this authority over to them. Derived authority is something different. This is authority that actually means that you, I've given you this authority, and the only reason why you have this authority is because you are connected to me. Last week, Kate and I were in Perth. And my sister flew from Japan to Manila to help look after our children. We gave my sister authority over my children for the week, but it was derived authority. Her authority was there because she was constantly connected to us as the brother and as the sister-in-law. Jesus has not delegated us authority, but we've been given this derived authority. What does this mean? It means that the power and the authority that we have is because we are relying on the source for that power and authority. We need to be in constant communion with God in order to experience his power. So the power that God has at work through our lives is not a delegated authority now where God's in heaven without power. No, the only reason why we have power is because we are connected to the source of power. And the moment you start thinking it's about you, that power is going to dry up. The moment you start thinking about that you're good, that you're amazing, that it's your prophetic word, that it's you that healed them, uh-uh, that power is gonna dry up. This isn't just a one-time exchange, a ceremony. I thus give you the power. Now go and you never need. No, that's why when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, we have an initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the word filled is this ongoing refilling of the Spirit as well. I was filled initially with the Holy Spirit, but I love getting consistently refilled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because my authority comes from being constantly connected to who He is. And real trust is always relying on God, not ourselves. And I love this, I love this, because the need for prayer is a constant reminder of our own inadequacies. Not to make us feel bad. Jesus doesn't wanna make you feel bad. Jesus wants you to know how great he is. Every time I pray, do you know what I realize? How much I need Jesus. I can't do this without you, God. I can't do this, I need you, God. A faithless generation, an unbelieving generation looks like a bunch of people who have biblical knowledge, but no reliance on the power of God. Don't trust in biblical knowledge. Trust in the one who the Bible points to which is Jesus. We must grow in our faith, and this leads to trust, and trust is that missing ingredient that goes between hearing and obeying. And can I tell you, this is the safety mechanism that we have for our church 
with what we are stepping into, what we are believing for, what we're believing. We're believing for signs and for wonders and for deliverances. We are believing for God to pour out his blessing and favor upon our church. But this is our safety mechanism. This means it will never become the James and Kate show. This means it will never become one of the pastors show here on stage. No, 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 no. Because the only reason why someone will get healed if I pray for them is because the same power that lives in me lives in you as well. And I can pray for them, but you can pray for them as well. And somebody else can pray for them as well. And yes, there are people with the gift of healing who seem to see more healings and miracles happen. And we want to raise those people up and let them pray over more people. But it's not about them. The only reason why they have the gift of healing is because they're connected to the source. This ain't about people. This is all about Jesus. Your faith is great, but it's only great because it's connected to the source. Your faith means nothing if it's not connected to the source, and this will keep us balanced. When things get a little bit wholly chaotic, when things get a little bit crazy and we're looking around, and even us pastors are looking around going, what's happening? Is this God? Is not? Well, let's pray. Let's keep connected to the source. Let's make sure that our trust is on the reliance of God and not in our own ability. So what now? I hear, I trust in the right way. I've trusted in such a way that I'm fully relying on God and not just thinking it's about me. So what do I do now? My third, my last point. It's simple. Obey. Everyone say obey. 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 This is the activation. Let me tell you. The activation can be done in church, but it has to be outworked outside of church. Has to be. It can be practiced and it can be grown in this place, but we need to take this to the world. The disciples for three and a half years learned. They learned and they learned and they learned and they learned what it meant to rely on Jesus. They learned how to cast out demons. They learned how to pray and how to fast. They learned, they learned, they learned. And even though they did amazing things when they were with Jesus, they still needed an activation of the Holy Spirit. And when that activation came, they took it outside of the walls of the church. I love our church. I'm believing that people are gonna get saved in our church, find Jesus, get healed in our church. But my job is not to do it all. My job is to equip you and myself be equipped so I can do this outside of church. This is where we actually have a church and not just a Sunday-centered service. And this is why in our church in the next season, there's gonna become a shifting in the church of people that just wanna attend and people that wanna be Christians. People that just wanna sit and get a nice sermon and a few nice songs and people that won't actually be challenged to do something for Jesus. Because when you get this, when you get this, you can't just sit and do nothing. You can't. If you see anybody at all throughout the week, you have an opportunity to be salt and light to the world. Unless you're a hermit that lives in a room and does nothing. And even then, you could probably get on Facebook. And you could probably share something on Facebook. I'm telling you. We all know what to do. Jesus told us, Matthew 10, 7, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Church, you've now all heard what you need to do. The question is, do you trust him enough to obey? Some of you have never cast out demons before. That's okay. 
we're gonna teach on how to do it. Some people get weirded out about demons. Oh my gosh, really, demons? If you actually read the Gospels, do you know how many times Jesus casted demons out with shrieks? It wasn't pretty. It was a bit chaotic, but it's a beautiful, holy chaos. We're gonna teach people. But even if you're confronted and you don't know, that's okay, because you know what has the authority? It's the name of Jesus. So you know what to do. You know to make disciples. You know to pray for the sick. It's not because you're good. It's because he's good. Your power and authority comes from him, not from your good works. We gotta get rid of this Catholic mindset that it's because of us and our good works. We gotta get rid of it. It's infiltrated the church. The Philippines is a Catholic nation. So it's infiltrated the church. Well, it's because of me, it's because of me. No, it's because of him. And when your humility combines with his power, anything is possible. Would we have the humility to say today, oh, Jesus, I don't believe, but I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I know you said it, but sometimes it's hard to really believe it. But would you help me overcome my unbelief? God wants to use you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or not. God wants to use you. Last week, I finished with this story. Last week, I, I was preaching in Perth in Australia. And we baptized a bunch of people. And I got to watch online our baptisms, and it was beautiful. And one of the incredible women in our church, Tita Linda, got up here, 76 years old. She said, I, she, it was in the morning, wasn't it? It was in the morning, so if you're an afternoon crowd, you might not have heard her. But she got up and she shared about how she'd been a Catholic 76 years of her life that her daughter brought her to church before pandemic, but she didn't really understand it, so she left. <laughs> you know, it's too loud. Uh, but then over pandemic, she started watching on the screen, and then she came to a physical service. And it was her daughter, Rosalind. And, and I wanna read out what she said. One of our guys did a manuscript of it and, and said, in one of the services I attended, I raised my hand and I accepted Jesus. Something changed in me. 76 years, a Catholic walks in our church. Something changed in me. I felt lighter and at peace, and I continued to attend every Sunday. Encouraged by my daughter, I joined a connect group led by Tita Marlin, and I realized I wasn't alone in my struggles. I attended church, took grow classes, and now eagerly anticipate future courses. I'm already done with build and healthy relationships. And then, then she goes on her testimony and says, this is, this is what I love, because it's a woman, 76 years as a Catholic, finally finds Jesus Christ of the Bible. And she hears, she trusts, and she obeys. She says, a few weeks ago, something happened. I was jogging one morning, 76, you're never too old. She was jogging and she saw a really old man in a wheelchair with three nurses, three nurses, three. <laughs> one for both legs and one for the upper body, right? <laughs> he was frail and couldn't walk. I didn't know him at all, but I prayed for him and he miraculously stood. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? She's running, she's running. She sees this man, stops been hearing about things at church. There she is, she's actually here right now. Stops, no, 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 don't clap, don't, she's amazing, but don't clap her. 
No, no, seriously, she's amazing. But we need to honor Jesus in this. She's incredible, I love her. And y'all just clapped her, but don't make a big deal about her. Make a big deal about what God did. Prayed for him, he miraculously stood. I felt so overwhelmed and I felt God's presence. I said, God, you're so good. A week later, I saw the old man again. He raised his arm like this and said, thank you. I just nodded, was in tears, and in my head I said, thank you, Lord. That's why I'm here now. I feel you, God. Lord, I am yours. I may be 76 years old, but use me. I will serve you any way I can, as long as I can. Now I feel like I'm a totally different person. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. If he can do it in Tita Linda, he can do it in you. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. You don't need to have all the theology down pat. It will come. All you need to do is hear. You need to trust and you need to obey. That's all you got to do. Hear, trust, obey. How do, I, how do I grow deeper in my faith? Hear, trust, and obey. For that is the only way. See what I did there? I rhymed it so that it would stick in your head that you must hear, trust, and obey. We're going to pray in a moment. Oh, good. We got a little bit of time. Fantastic. We're going to pray. I don't really know what's going to happen, but we're going to pray because I feel like God needs to activate some people in this place. Y'all need the faith of Tita Linda in this place. But before we do that, I got to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. We talk about faith. We talk about trust. Well, the Bible tells us the story of Jesus, that he lived a sinless life. And the reason why he came to this earth was because he loved you and I so much. And you and I have this thing called sin. Sin is all the thoughts, the actions that we have that are outside of the way that God would want us to live. And that sin actually separates us from God. But Jesus loved you and I so much that he came to this earth. And a price needed to be paid for that sin. There, there needed to be a, a price that was paid for our sin. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he became that price for our sin. He took our sin off of us. He wore it upon himself. He died on that cross. But he defeated death three days later. He rose supernaturally. And he broke the power of sin. And the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. You have heard it. Now the question is, do you trust it and will you obey it? Here, trust, obey starts at the very beginning of your relationship with Jesus. You've heard it. That's the gospel message. As simple and as quick as I can say it. He loved you. He died for you. He's made a way for you. Now will you respond to him? All over this place, could we bow our heads, close our eyes? If you're watching online, I want you to do the same thing in your bedroom, wherever you're listening from. If you're saying, James, that's me. I've never made this decision before. I've never come to a place where I've actually accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're saying, James, I did this a long time ago, but I, I've walked away. I'm not asking if you had a bad week or a bad month. We all go through bad times. I'm asking you, you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I would love you as the children scream in delight. There's no demons up there, don't worry. I would love you to lift up your hand because I'd love to pray for you right where you're. If you're saying yes, I need Jesus to come and forgive my sins. 
I don't have a relationship with him. I, I want to start one today. If that's you on the count of three, you lift your hands. One, two, three, right now, all over this place. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. A few hands over here. Thank you, Lord. Over here. Thank you. See your hand. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you lifted your hand, I want you to put your hand on your heart right now because we're going to pray a simple prayer together. Inviting Jesus into our heart, reflecting that scripture I quoted before. So come on, why don't we all say this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now and I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, that you took my sin upon yourself. You defeated death and you rose victorious. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise for every person that just lifted their hands?